0: Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rickert, your host. Hey, thanks for joining me today. St. Catherine of Siena said that if you become who you are, that you would literally set the world on fire. And St. Athanasius, an early church father and a doctor of the church, said the son of God became man so that we might become God. You know, I make a wild guess at this, but I bet you most of us are a bit disconnected from this divine life that these saints are pointing us to. Yet St. John Paul II said there's an echo of this story of this divine life that we're created for inscribed in each human heart, in your human heart. And if you put on the proper lens, if I put on the proper lens, we can get in touch with this echo within us in such a way that we have that aha moment. See, that's the genus of St. John Paul II's theology of the body. It connects our lived experience of life to the gospel in such a way that our life takes on a whole new meaning and helps us answer those big questions that our whole culture is so confused about today. Who am I? What's my purpose? Why were we created male and female? How do I find happiness here on earth? How do I find love that satisfies forever? Hey, glad you're with me. I'll be right back for today's episode. Well, you are invited. Mark Schmidt and I are inviting you to join us. We're going to St. Peter's Square, and we're going to be uh, unpacking St. John Paul II's uh, theology of the body what he what he did was and i don 't know if you 're aware of this, but if you can go to you can go to Rome and when John paul became pope in they have general what 's called general audiences and if the pope's in in town if he 's in Rome if he 's not traveling, he will generally go out and give a sh- uh, a short talk and it 's so cool to be able to see that and he goes around in the pope mobile and et cetera et cetera i've been there before it was very cool stuff well, when John Paul became Pope in seventy eight he had already written out this whole manuscript by hand, which, which which he called theology of the body, man and woman, he created them. And it was just this prophetic voice. What happened with John Paul II, he grew up in a communist country. He saw this totalitarian state that we're seeing now. We'll be talking about that as we go forward here a little bit. Um, but, but he saw that and he said, but what the communists could not do in Poland the sexual revolution, this cultural Marxism would do. So these are atheists, right? So they want to take God out of the culture, and then then they want to destroy marriage in the family, which is uh, you know created in a mago day, it sacramental sign of God Himself in in the culture and into the world, right? So look at if there's an evil force out in the world, John Paul said, and and there is, we know there is. He's going to do what? He's going to take down marriage in the family. That's how you can really destroy humanity. This is what we're seeing today. So we'll be. Talking about that today, we're going to take this catechesis. This catechesis is as fresh today as the day that John Paul delivered it. In fact, even more so. John Paul predicted this. You know, every time there's a a crisis in the world, a crisis in the church, you know, God brings a prophetic voice into the church and into the world. And John Paul II was that prophetic voice coming out of, again, uh, uh, Marxism, communism, he saw what socialism could do. You know, it's a dehumanizing effect. It, it's uh, this collective, you know, you are no longer an individual person that joins in community and in communal, which is, which is the vertical. We bring God into our lives and into the culture and then we spread out in a community. It's really a community of love. Well, the communists are atheists. They want to destroy that and destroy uh, marriage and the family along with that, right? So John Paul saw this very prophetically, and so, uh, he, he stepped in and he started this catechesis in those days when John Paul became a Pope, you know, the, the Popes weren't supposed to publish books for some reason. It changed, you know, Pope Benedict, uh, uh did a number of books while he was, was Pope. But anyways, when John, uh, Paul II first became Pope, it, he wasn't really sure if he should, uh, publicize it or, or, uh, go, you know, write a book and then have it printed out. And, um, so he, un- he unpacked, ended up unpacking these in these 129 general audiences. And when they put it all together, he answered these big questions, you know, who am I? What's my purpose? Why were we created male and female? How do I find happiness here on earth? How do I find love that satisfies forever? And then the culture had, all. Oh, these questions. uh, They still do today, right? About premarital sex and the use of contraception and same-sex marriage and and these gender ideologies that have come into the culture now. How about divorce and abortion? And all of those questions that everybody uh, asked. And John Paul stepped up so confidently, so beautifully, and he said, God has a plan for this. Jesus Christ and his church can answer those questions for you. And he uh, began unpacking those in those 129 short talks. And when Michael Waldstein put them all together, uh, along with some other people, right, put these talks all together. He said, wow, he answered all those questions. So here's what I'm going to propose to you. We're going to start uh, on March 2nd, which Ash Wednesday, March 2nd, and we're going to start to unpack these uh, one audience at a time. They're so beautiful. So what I'm going to suggest to you is you get uh, 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 Michael uh, McKell, it is McKell Waldstein's book, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. It was copywritten in 2006. It's a pretty thick book. It's a pretty dense book. Normally, uh, I don't uh, ask people to get that right off the bat because it's pretty dense theology, but we're going to unpack that for you. So you're going to have this, you know, not, not only will you be able to hear what John Paul unpacked session by session but you're also be able to will help you unpack that and get to the uh the the crux of the message and we're also going to be bringing some contemporary stories into this and how it can it can untwist all of this confusion that we see today remember 1993 John Paul II came to to uh, Denver, Colorado for World Youth Day. And he came in on a helicopter at the end. So he f- he's coming over to the stadium with the helicopter and people s- noticed that the helicopter's there and they just started this uproar. And the helicopter pilot said they, the turbulence created, was it started to shake the helicopter. It was so loud that he veered off, landed in the parking lot and John Paul II came in uh, and he came into that uh, Mile High Stadium. Nobody predicted that, any, that these numbers were going to show up. It was a amazing, just packed to the gills in there. And he looked around and his eyes are twinkling and he, and he stuck with this beautiful smile and he goes around while all this energy came in and he, and he walks up with this, with this crozier, you know, the the staff that the shepherds keeping with Jesus Christ on the top and the crucifix there. And he walks up to the microphone, looking around, smiling. And he said, be not afraid, be not afraid. And they knew what he meant. Don't be afraid to live. Don't be afraid to love. And that just that roar came up. Well, these idealistic uh, young people came to John Paul and they said, John Paul, we see the, the pain and suffering in the whole world. You know, what can we do? What should we do to begin to eliminate the pain and suffering in the whole world? And again, John Paul had this comprehensive view of the world, you know, came in from this revelation of Jesus Christ and his own experiences of life, of living under, again, these communist totalitarian powers that we see, you know, the principalities and the powers, you know, that tried to, to move God out and then, and then put man at the center, especially, you know, these powerful, right, the world elites. We're seeing this today. This is all being played out. It was, you know, John Paul said this was coming. And he said it was going to get pretty brutal. But he said what communism could not do in Poland and this country in Poland, which was destroy marriage and the family. See, atheists again as is we did in my introduction. They they want to attack God. They want to take God out. So they attack the church and they try to infiltrate the church. And I've done a very good job of that. We're seeing a lot of evil people in the church right now. Now, now I will unpack this for you, but the church herself, the bride of Christ, is stainless. She's beautiful. She's stainless. She will bring you into the, the the true, the good, and the beautiful. The message of Christ Himself. He's the bridegroom who marries the the bride, takes on the bride. Who are all of us? We're all you know part of the of the church, right? We're all this bride that opens herself up to the bridegroom. So she is unstained there, and 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 there's a safe place, a safe haven you can find there. But even in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all the evil within and without the church, well, John Paul said again. If you want to untwist the pain and suffering in the whole world, he told those young people, you know, of of these communists and these totalitarianisms, he said, and now do you also see that what the communists could not do in Poland, which is destroy marriage and the family, you know, the sexual revolution or cultural Marxism would. See, the communists understood that in the United States and, and certain parts of Western Europe, but you, especially in the United States, it was, was going to be very hard for the communists and these, this evil to come into the United States because the middle class was too big. We were, we were based on Judeo-Christian principles. We, we're, we had a lot of prayerful people. Now, that's all changed very rapidly in the, in the, in the last couple of generations. But at that time, it was like that. So they understood with this with the strong middle class that it wasn't going to be able to, to the the usual class warfare between the proletariats and the bourgeois. You know, the the business owners um, and and all and this isn't the world elite. These are just business owners. The world elite are standing higher, right? And they want to pit, they want to divide. So they're going to divide the business owners, the small business people, and the business owners against the laborers because they, they can manipulate that way, and then they get take over all the resources, you know, socialism, communism, they, they own the means of production and they can control everybody in order to do that easier. They wanted to attack marriage and the family. So they take the church out, which is, which is promoting marriage in the family. This ID, these ideologies came in these atheistic ideologies, moral relativism, where we, we've, we've taken marriage and we've just twisted and distorted it. You know, families, you know, 43% of every baby is born out of wedlock now, 78%. Of the inner city kids are born out of wedlock. We've destroyed marriage and the family for so many of these young people. So, John Paul, so when the young people came to John Paul and they said, How do we eliminate the pain and suffering in the whole world? John Paul, of course, with this wide vision, set, looked at them and said, If you want to begin to eliminate the pain and suffering in the whole world, he said, you have to begin by eliminating the pain and suffering in marriage and the family. You have to start to untwist who man is to woman, who woman is to man. You see, you know, you know in our hearts, we have these great desires to love and be loved. And even in atheistic cultures, we have this burning, yearning, feeling, this understanding, this echo within us, John Paul would say, that's still groping for infinite love, something more than they find in the culture, right? That's God himself, you know? And so when you twist and distort that, the, 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 the heart, well, here's what happens. You know, it's not just the heart. Our bodies were created to express love in a sacramental way. Our bodies, especially in marriages where the two become one, in the sexual marital union, in our sexual union, it's it's so powerful. And that's what we're going to be walking into right now. So he said, um, at the end of the day, again, if you want to untwist the pain and suffering in the world—you start to untwist the pain and suffering. Who man is to woman? Who woman is to man? You know, all of us came out of a family. You know, all of these kids today born without a mothers and, and, and fathers in their in their lives. Of course, we all have a mother and father, right? That's the only way that that the, that when the two become one, become three. That that we've come into the stage and into the world. But uh, uh, unfortunately, um, a lot of us are broken. You know, just you know, growing up in broken homes, broken families, and so we get twisted very easily by these ideologies in the culture and uh, and they're destroying all of us they're really destroying us it's really sad to see and so how do we how do we fix that? well John Paul II laid out his theology of the body so get that book man and woman he created them we got a week. We're going to start next, uh, next Wednesday on Ash Wednesday. That's done, of course, on purpose to start off Lent. We're going to be unpacking them every Wednesday. Mark and I, we're just going to do one at a time. And, and just to kind of leave you with this. Uh, picture, You know, it's an illusion. You know, people ask all the time, Jack, what can we do? Just like they're asking John Paul II. You know, we see this this, uh, this, uh, this twisting and distorting in, in our schools with CRT and, and these gender ideologies. And we're seeing these totalitarians, you know, coming in into our country and distorting our country and taking our freedoms away. This is telling all one story. This is telling one story. So we'll kind of do a comprehensive picture for you so that you can start to understand how this all fits together. And then you know when you start to say, well, how, what can we do? Well, it's an illusion to think that we can build a true culture of human life if we don't accept and experience our sexuality and understanding of love and all of life according to the true meaning of their close interconnection John Paul talked about, you know, the sexual embrace itself is the foundational stone of human life itself. Well, we know life comes out of that sexual embrace, but that's also the, the, the image of the inner life of Trinitarian love itself. It goes even deeper. And once you start to understand this and you walk into the story, it'll blow your mind. It's such a beautiful thing. The family then, you know, so, so think about this. We talk about corruption in in politics and in government and in, in economics and the banking system. Well, all of that flows out of culture. So that's downstream from culture and civilization. It's usually a warp. Morality is broken down, and then all of these people that own businesses and get into politics, etc., etc. You know, they're coming out of this warped uh, culture that's that's uh, that's really so much evil inside, right? And and they're just grasping and taking, trying to fill themselves up with with uh, you know these infinite desires of our hearts, these infinite plan of God. Well, they don't see that anymore, so they grasp and take. You know, most of the sexual uh, confusion and addiction and attachments and this grasping come from trying to fill the infinite desires of our heart for God himself or love himself with finite things. But we don't know that, so we just grasp and take. Well, that in, in order to heal that, you, you have to walk backwards. So if politics and economics are downstream from culture, well, marriage and the family are upstream from the culture and civilization in other words, if you want to cure and you want to start to, to untwist the pain and suffering and, and these, you know, these these twisted ideologies, etc in the culture, you have to work your way back to marriage and the family. This is the foundational piece, and that, of course, is marriage and the family is a created imago day in the image and likeness of God. So we have to turn to God. We have to take back into our hearts, and we have to express this. And this is what we'll be talking about. Uh, it might sound like a lot, but you'll get it, right? So the family, in turn, culture itself springs from this marital embrace where the two become one, become three in the image and likeness of God. We'll unpack that for you. In short, as sex goes, so go marriage and the family. As marriage and the family go, go there goes civilization and the culture. Such logic doesn't bode well for our culture, because it's no exaggeration to say that the task of the twentieth century—so the task of the twentieth century that John Paul grew up in—again with communism, the the you know the age of enlightenment, you know that happened and and started to pull itself through the the uh, the twentieth century and and just broke down a sexual ethic, um, you know. There's moral relativism. You know, you can be anything you want to be. You know, sex was no longer really had meaning and purpose. It was just something for your pleasure, it was hedonism. And so what happens is, you know, if if the 20th century was to get rid of this... Christian sexual ethic, to get rid of God, to make this all up to go. Well, the only way to build this culture of life is to untwist, undistort that, to have it, an understanding, right? In the 21st century, we have to reclaim that. We have to understand that. And that's what John Paul II, he saw this coming, and he unpacked this for us, right? But the old approach of the old moral manuals isn't going to win over your neighbors, friends, and co-workers in this culture. So we need a fresh theological vision that explains the church church's sexual ethic by appealing to the way we moderns think. And more and more people are discovering John Paul II devoted the first major teaching project of his pontificate. Again, these 129 talks were delivered between September 1979 and November 1984, developing just such a theology, a theology of the Body. The end result is a revolution, not only for Catholics, but for all Christians. And if Christians take it up and live it, for the whole world. This is the only solution. Right now, we're in dire straits. You know, can we turn this thing around? Well, we can certainly do our job and, and we can certainly bring healing and, and beauty, what's true, good and beautiful, you know, especially the beauty of love into our own families, into our own marriages, into our own children's lives. So that's where we have to start. No matter what the world does on the outside to us, we can't always control everything out there, but we can control how we react to it. And, and at the end of the day, this is where we're going. We're going into union and communion with God. You know, there's that six-foot hole that's in front of everybody. We know that this life is short. Jesus himself is going to bring us into the beginning of the story. What was it supposed to look like before sin? He's going to set us up in this his, his historical man, we call it, the, the history itself after the, after the fall, after sin came into the world. And then we bring our lives into that story, always keeping our end in mind. You know, we're all going to God, huh? At the end of the day, this is God's uh, plan to bring us into intimacy with us. And marriage was that icon, was that sacramental sign pointing to Trinitarian love itself. So this will all come together, right? The Pope's theology of the body provides a beautiful, uplifting vision of marital love, sexual intimacy, but it goes far beyond that too. It's a deeply affirming education of what it means to be human. As John Paul II said, what we learn is obviously important re- in regard to our own marriages and our Christian vocation as husbands and wives, right? It's going to improve your, your, your life, your understanding of love, even if you're single, if you're a priest, if you're religious, the intimacy that God seeks from you. However... It's a equally essential and valid for the understanding of mankind in general, for all of us, for the fundamental problem of understanding uh, God and, and understanding ourselves and the self-comprehensive of just being in this world. What does it mean? How do I live? Therefore, in this theology of the body, which is the basis of the most suitable method for this education, the education of man, John Paul II would say. I mean, think about this. All these qu- kids with these questions of identity, a purpose, and meaning. You know, there's anxiety, depression. You know, many kids are suicidal. 50% of the American population is on meds for, for anxiety and depression and, and various mental illnesses. Half the population But we're going to follow the scriptures, and and Jesus himself is going to take us into the story. It's so incredibly beautiful. You know, John Paul II demonstrates that the union of the sexes, again, this marital union provides a lens through which to view the whole plan of God for humanity. Can you believe that? God's eternal plan is to marry us. We'll see this all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, God's intimacy uh, for us, this is what he's after. He wants to marry us. And spousal ana- analogy, the spousal language God gave us, it's because our bodies itself were, were called to express love. Each one of us is created in, in the image of God, but it's the, the marriage and the family that's that fullest sign of that because we're, we're created to be a gift to others, to be a gift and, and to, to be in communal. And God wanted this eternal plan, this marital plan, that he seeks with us, this intimacy he seeks with us. Remember that God is not a sexual being, but he seeks this, Our, our sexuality is this created version, a sacramental sign of Trinitarian love. And he wanted it to be so plain to us, so obvious that he impressed an image of it in our very being by creating us male and female. Our sexuality is so much more powerful and beautiful and sacramental than you'll ever, uh, if you haven't studied this before, than you could ever have believed. This is why the Pope speaks of the body as a theology. Theology of the body. Well, theology is the study of God. And, and so our body is, is theology of the body means the study of God within our bodies. The body in the full truth of its masculinity and femininity proclaims the divine mystery in the world. What's that divine mystery? Well, God is love. And as the Catechism number 221 says, not only is God is love, but that God has revealed his innermost secret. God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is an eternal exchange of love. And he's destined us to share in that exchange. So, you know, I, I, Christopher West had once said, he said a student of his um, was, was overheard saying, you know, three persons and one God, three gods and one person, who cares? Let's just get on and lead good Christian lives. And he goes, whoa, the Trinity is at the heart of everything we believe as Christians. It's a big deal <laughs> since we're made in the image of the Trinity, We can't know who we are or how to live good Christian lives apart from the Trinity. This is especially true concerning the union, uh, uh, the the union of the sexes. In fact, God intends marital union as an earthly image of his own Trinitarian exchange of love. It's also a promise of our destiny to share in the love of the Trinity through Christ. And so I'll finish with this. Ephesians 5, Pope John Paul II said is the summa. Of this whole teaching and actually our whole life, the whole reason for our lives. And he said, you know, just in a snippet from, from Saint Paul from Ephesians 5, 31, 32, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, marital union. And he said, This is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ and the church. So anyways, hey, of course, spousal union is only an analogy of the Trinitarian mystery. As John Paul II reminds us, God's mystery remains transcendent in regard to this analogy as in regard to any analogy whereby we seek to express it, though, in human language and through our bodies, right? At the same time, however, John Paul II reminds us, and he said this, there is no other human reality that corresponds more, humanly speaking, to that divine mystery. Hey, God bless you. I hope you join us starting uh, on Ash Wednesday, March 2nd. For We're going to start to unpack this session by session. I, uh, I hope you join us. Get the book, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. It's going to look thick. It's going to look dense. But we're going to unpack it with you just one uh, one. Um, general audience at a time, I think you're going to love it. You're going to step into a story that you, you think to yourself, looking back uh, in, in, in a few months of studying this, you're going to go, wow, how could you have ever thought that this was so beautiful, so profound, so powerful? And it'll change your heart. It'll transform your heart. Uh, let God will come in and do that. Hey, God bless you. Talk to you soon. Bye.